Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that will call you angel but only in the morning my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're clowning around and heading back to Derry as we relive some childhood trauma and talk out andy muschietti's it chapter two and you don't have to don clown makeup or join the circus to listen into this podcast. All you need to do is search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your clown hole. And if you want to clown around on social media, you can follow us along. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. How you going to know where the clowning's going to be if you don't follow us around? And there's clowning afoot. And on Facebook, you can definitely find where we will be hanging out here in uh, as we close out the month of September. And as this episode does release on Friday, September 20th, the following Tuesday. And if you know the show, you know this is something I look forward to. Tuesdays get me through the week. They get me through the month. And what's nice is... Uh, over at the Alamo Draft House, they opened up the month of September with Terror Tuesday with an anthology. Ooh. And they're closing out the month of September with a horror anthology, and it's one that's near and dear to our hearts on the podcast, but uh, unofficially, Creepshow, Creepshow 3, three. Yeah. but as it is, Tales from the Dark Side. It was the cat! The cat! The feline! <laughs> this it, is... In the, that this, movie's hot, hot, hot... I, <laughs> And again, I don't know how many of the people in the audience will know that reference per right? se, uh, but regardless if you you know know the reference or not, please come check it out because this is much like with Creepshow where you get a lot of character actors showing up, mm-hmm. especially in that era from like the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. With Tales from the Dark Side, you're getting character actors, but from the 80s and 90s. And early Steve Buscemi. Oh, before way before calling all creeps. <laughs> right. Uh, this is Julianne Moore. You've got Ray Don Chong. You've just a cavalcade, a cavalcade of character actors. Come Blondie, on out. Yeah, uh, of course. And the, carrying us throughout the uh, the wraparound. So much to like on it. Um, and, you know, just even if hopefully I know they won't have a custom pre show, but it would be nice to hear that little theme song, mm-hmm. especially from the TV show. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun. Man lives in a world of light. Yeah. Oh, that see, yeah, that gave me the fucking shivers up it my just, spine. Just gave me the shivers, actually. Yeah. Uh, but then also make sure to check out on the events page on uh, Nightmare Junk because uh, on uh, October fifth, yes, I know the Kansas City Horror Club has something special in plan. Oh, I'm so excited for this! It is a old school horror movie double feature at the drive-in at the Twin Drive-in in Independence. We are showing. American World in London and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors and there's going to be a swap and shop with local vendors and all horror wares and it's going to be fantastic and the best part about it is $10 a car load come on you can get old school I mean you can get Cronenberg crash creative mm-hmm. if you want to squeeze as many in as you can Come on now, why why wouldn't yeah, you, right? Get all Don't dream it. You know, it's going to be great. No, always a good time with that. And obviously, this is now the third. Yes. 
And last year was a great time. And at this point now, I think you've got a few more vendors this year than mm-hmm. you did last year as well. We're, we're almost double what we were last year. So it's going to be a lot bigger. It's going to be great. That's so much fun. And that's going to be basically kind of kicking off the month of October. And in the month of October, if it is the month of October, then you know we've got a lot coming up. Mm-hmm. And we are only now, I believe... Four more weeks till Nerdoween, Nerdoween, Nerdoween. Four more weeks till Nerdoween. Killer nouns. That's right, kids. Nouns. A person, place, or thing. Three horrible movies ready to terrify and tantalize. Make sure you're there and bring a costume for the costume contests. October 19th. Back again. Nerdoween, our fifth year. Horror Marathon. Oh, it's so much fun. We have such a blast on Nerdoween. And this lineup. Words that kill, killer nouns. This is going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this one. If you haven't ever attended before, we do have three films all built around a theme. This year, the theme is killer nouns, Mm -hmm. nouns that kill. So if it is a person, place, or thing, you may see it up on the big screen. And then this year also, we're going to be taking uh, donations for KC Pet Project. Yes. Here in the local area. Help out the doggies and kitties. As they always help us. So Mm -hmm. make sure the tickets are available now at screenland.com check it out and it's you know there's so much going on here in the month of october and also technically closing out the month of september in fact um a little cinematic journey i just had i want to talk to you and the uh, the audience about it because it involves everyone here uh that was on the episode so genius you actually are kind of the main driving force you and amber over at the draft house with the little series that we talk briefly about here occasionally on the podcast because not everything you do is horror oriented right but tell us a little bit about film club film club is actually one of my favorite days of the week like you have your tuesdays i have my wednesdays um every other wednesday we see some of the weirdest movies you're going to see and we run the gambit uh animation drama documentaries uh comedies musicals um we've been doing it for about four years now and um we sit, we watch the movie, and then afterwards, a bunch of people, almost like half the audience, comes back down to the Chesterfield, and we have a discussion about the movie that we talked about to unprocess or, or, or very get some catharsis. Civil, civil di- discussion, of right, course, I'm sure. Right, and kind of like what we say on the show when we're dealing with um, Into the Mouth of March Madness, there are no wrong answers, right. just be able to defend your answers. Show so your work. It's pretty cool that all like creeds, credos, everybody can come and just talk about the movie. And so. here, and not even this week, but even like a few weeks before that, I got a chance through Film Club to see a movie on the big screen that I never thought I would. But to see Tommy on the big screen, <laughs> yeah, that was an experience. More than also just to see, I could see people reacting to the film. That movie was so divisive. Still to this day, people were like, either they loved it or they're like, like I think um, Joel Max kid said that that was malicious. Which I can totally see because yeah. we are talking a film from the 1970s, another time, another place, as man. it is. Diddle about, diddle about, diddle about, diddle about. Between that and the baked beans scene, right? That in of itself was wonderful. But ultimately, kind of going back to a genre we're familiar with and a director we're very familiar with. Yeah. But what I love is this is always that film that's in his, you know, on his resume that everyone goes, oh, yeah, I forgot he did that. And it's funny because, as you even mentioned in your intro, we do kind of have a hard on for John Carpenter, (laughs) don't we there, at Genius? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, hey. No, no, you you speak at the truth. I mean, we do. Do we love John Carpenter? But flower everybody, the whole Carpenter crew. And this is one of those films that I've never seen on the big screen. Me neither. Which, if you can, uh, Starman. 
wow. Yeah. It's it's the carpenter you forget about because it's 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 really funny because in 1982 with the thing when that went up against ET, yeah. no one wanted John Carpenter's The Thing at that time. And as you mentioned, he also then put out film Starman pretty much right after that. Man, watching Starman again, that's his ET. Yeah, it's that's totally truly. Yeah, we said that that's ET for adults. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you have all that familiar, the love, the, the leaving, the, like, urgency. And Karen Allen is damn adorable. <sighs> you can't help but fall in love with Karen oh. Allen when she's on screen. Especially the big screen, you know? She was just, like, 100% like Karen Allen. Her smile, I think, yeah. has Can some light sort up of, a room. It just it has some sort of chemical composition that yeah. just makes things better. Her eyes sparkle. Oh, Even we, when she's shot and dead in the middle of a truck, her eyes are still sparkly. Well, and then I forgot also how much levity is in the film and how much of that stems from uh, Bridges' performance yeah. and just how really good he is in that. Dutch apple pie. Mm. His, <laughs> Delicious. His reaction initially, it's so... And it's, mm-hmm. It's weird because he's such an alien, but his performance is so human yeah. when he really starts to kind of react to everything. When he does his butt flower impersonation, when Jeff Bridges, you see you see the big Lebowski like, we're going to go cook something. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, well, this is the rare film where the character played by Buck Flower actually has a career. Right. You know, he actually has a little bit of forward momentum. He's got a family. He's not He's, a creep janitor or like some sort of on like, the road. Right. Some sketch hobo. Well, and, you know, we talked about it before when we had Amber here on. Uh, she's still my favorite person to watch a film. It's horror, especially just because of her reactions. But ultimately... I know she's also, much like me, a very sensitive soul. Mm-hmm. So about the time when Boosh. the deer, the deer scene. That deer scene almost got me. I'm sitting there. I'm like, that poor baby deer got shot. Now Jeff Bridges is going to, the dude abides and he's going to bring him back to life. Ugh. But when that happened, man, her, the waterworks hit. And I was like, God damn it. I know I'm going to be a mess by the end of this film. The hunter was Ted White. Was it? Yes, it was. Ah, well, that that's a little Voorhees then, indeed. Yes, yeah. He's cha- and actually, he is kind of a little vicious in that film. He's fucking mean. But I think ultimately the combination of the the Jack Nietzsche uh, score, which isn't Carpenter's, which people always forget, and the fact he plays that live, which actually, I don't know. But then the combination, just the the, the lighting at the end, just everything comes together, and it just played wonderfully. It's a beautiful movie. It really it's is. A beautiful. I mean, like from the technical aspect, story aspect, acting aspect, and also the main um, SETI guy. You know what he directed, right? Huh? Trick or treat. Fucking a. Yeah, he's responsible for Sammy Kerr. And he was also and touchable. Tape, and the mixtape, he's like, that's where he got the Starman power. <laughs> the ball, and if you touch it, it turns into like a Walkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Starman, don't listen to that tape. That's for uh, something else. That's uh, yeah, yeah, not that one. But if you if you haven't seen it in a while, and especially if you're a Carpenter fan, go and check it out. Yeah. It just reaffirms your your just your need for love and affection I mean, it's like you said it was a love letter to love yeah it's a yeah. love letter to love i mean well, he wants to show the beauty in what he can do so. uh, well what i like about living in kansas city then is just then a few nights um later i got another love letter but an entirely different love letter to an entirely different genre and it's actually our next guest that was responsible for hosting this event now again you you're you are a co-host at this point it, it should go without saying He's a fixture at the live show. You know him as a co-host of the Media Rewind podcast. Welcome back, 
Dustin Pryor. Howdy, guys. Sorry, that was a little bit longer than usual. On oh, the no, intro. no. You were very patient. I, en- I, I enjoyed this. listening to you guys. And yeah. I, too, enjoy Starman. Oh, it's How, how so long has good. it been since you've seen that one? Oh, probably mid-90s. Yeah, it was forever since I've seen it. It's worth a rewatch. Yeah. It mm-hmm. really is. I mean, it's it's not the Carpenter film you're expecting, but it's the one you need. It's not the one you want, but it's the one you deserve. It truly. It, it really right. is. But you know what? That's kind of like... A lot of Carpenter movies and a lot of movies that is worth rediscovering. Sometimes you just don't get it back in the day. You know, Very some true. movies, yeah. some movies are such adult themes where you haven't gone through that pain and pathos yet, where it's over your head. But when you're older and you see with older eyes, you're like, I know just what you're feeling. You know, so hey, man, I told you guys on the the episode that we talked about Red Dawn. You know, there were jo- uh, not necessarily jokes, but there were beats in that movie that I didn't get up until we saw it on the big screen at yeah. Decade. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I, I didn't necessarily not like watch the film for depth, but when it's on the big screen, you can't help but notice right. like, certain cues. Well, I mean, again, we're talking about the guy that gave us, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape mm-hmm. from New York. You go in expecting that, and here, we're watching it this time, like the opening scene with uh, Karen Allen. When she's just watching her little her little reel to reel, yeah, and just you can just, just see punishing yourself, soaking in the sadness. Just, yeah. Oh, it just it, that's you feel that now, and so again, that's what I love about genre though is you can keep revisiting it and you see something. It's it's a it's fresh again, which mm-hmm. I love. But a film that I saw back in the day, and we're gonna I'm gonna reveal a few embarrassing anecdotes. But thank you for a little screening at Screenland Tapcade. Uh, we were your Hucklebearers. Huckleberry. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you hosted a great screening of Tombstone. I I was so excited for that one. I saw when Adam had posted the event page, and he was like, you know, Revolver Brewing Company is, is going to be bringing in their blood and honey. You know, do you do we have anybody that wants to you know host it? And I was thinking, you know, maybe not. You know, I didn't know what I have got going on that day, and everything kind of went dead for a little bit mm-hmm. on the the little chatter. So then, like. I don't know, a day later, I saw it pop back up and it was like almost like, you know, divine intervention. It was like tombstone. So I was like, I reached out to Adam. I was like, dude, do you have a host yet? And he's like, nope, it's all yours. And I'm like, sweet. That movie is fucking rad. That is probably one of the best Westerns of all time to me. Yeah. I mean, I put it up there with High Noon. You know, I I said my intro, The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. You know, the. the (laughs) Oh, oh, give us a hot take here on the podcast. However, your Magnificent Seven. Yeah, I actually like the the rehash, the one with Denzel Washington and Chris Chris Pratt. I did too. I really enjoyed that. I think Hollywood needs to make more good westerns. Yeah, they they need to stick close to like the the original source material. I mean, everybody knows Magnificent Seven is an original. You know, it's it's knocked off. Yeah, it's a derivative. You know, but bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But when you when you see a movie like Tombstone, but then you get the opportunity to see it on the big screen, it makes you appreciate it that much more. You know, because I did actually get to see it back in '93 when it had its original run. Actually, my brother and I, you know. Shout out to my brother, the of one course. that took me to, you know, kind of, you know, broke broke me in on everything cool. We saw it on Christmas Day when it released in 93. You know, mom wasn't too happy about it, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's Tombstones, Kurt Russell. <laughs> exactly. So, I also saw it in the theater back in 93, and I, I admitted this after the screening because I had a, such a good time seeing it on the big screen. And I have to preface this a lot because I'm going to dig into the film a little from a different perspective, but... My buddy and I, Kinger, were so hyped after seeing this film, and this is back in 93, so I was all of 17, which means I was way too old to do what we did afterwards, but we were so hyped after seeing the film, we went and bought some little, like, old school, you know, six shooters at Walmart, went to a local playground, and staged our own little firefight, just running around like little, like 
teenaged idiots, which you could not do that today. Now we would like, which is horse shit because as soon as we finished watching tombstone, I wanted to go do that, dude. I wanted to go shoot shit. I want not like real, but like play cowboys exactly. and like, just like poo poo break from the sky pilgrim, you know, and like dance <laughs> or like, you know, go to one of those things when you remember those old quick draw. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Those, video the machines. Or yeah. yeah. had actual dude, like all tourist trappy. And it's like, yuck Connors and just shooting people. Yuck <laughs> I wanted to do that because when I went home, I played Red Dead too, and so because I wanted, I wanted to play Cowboys, and that's the power of that film. Now that being said, and listen, if you know the podcast, you know where I stand with Kurt Russell. I'm to say I'm a fan is silly. That man is on the Mount Rushmore of just the people I think are just the most amazing actors out there. The presence, the laughter, everything in between. I love this film. His mustache is magnificent. Everything. But man, watching it this time, I don't know what it was, but the way he was portrayed is just the the pinnacle, just the manliest man that ever manned. And there was something about it because like no one just he no one gets the best of Kurt Russell in that film. Oh, no, absolutely no. not. No one. Not even it the is, not even the people that you know at the time are supposed to. Right. You know the, right. the very first beat when they get off the train. You know Morgan's like starting to talk while they're looking at themselves in the you know the reflection. And he's like, yeah, no. Yeah, don't talk. Don't talk. Which I think we both kind of <laughs> laughed a little. Yeah. I was like, God damn. But he just gets and beats that dude with a horse whip. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Well, it sets the tone, but it made me laugh because then we want to root for him and Dana Delaney to get together, which also 1993 Dana Delaney. Good night, Dana Delaney. I don't want to get creeps and nostalgia here, but uh, I remember uh, Exit to Eden. or Yes. The- yes. I went to go see that just because of Dana Delaney. Not, uh, it wasn't the novelty of, oh, no, Rosie O'Donnell and uh, Dan Aykroyd in, uh, in, in S&M gear. That was a deterrent. But Dan DeLaley was the draw. And like, <laughs> no, I, I, I tell you what my introduction was, was China Beach. There you go. You know, my, my dad was a my, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. So, you know, we watched Tour of Duty. We watched China Beach. And when I saw her in China Beach, I was just like, good God, who is this goddess? She's amazing. Well, and it's funny because then, but then the movie gives you every reason for him and then his Maddie, mm-hmm. because then they portray her as just the most awful, just you, you want him to get away from her, but it's like, damn, give her just a little nugget of like some self, she, you know, just she reminded me of Chappelle. Y'all got any more of that laudanum? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> laudanum. I want some laudanum. Ow. Shazam! <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was but, even like, every time she's like, Disney Morgan Board, Laudanum, I was like, Laudanum! Now, but you mentioned like character actors. Yes. Okay. Okay, so. that's one thing. Okay, so talking about how like you don't catch a lot of things and like emotionally and story wise back in the day, I came to this one not super late, maybe like, I don't know, 98, 99 when it was on video. But looking back on it now, the cavalcade of character actors in there is insane. Okay. Terry O'Quinn showing up, which I totally forgot he's in. The, un- the entire time I'm looking there, I'm just imagining him in some like little, you know, like outhouse mirror, you know, who am I here? It's like, I'm the mayor. Right. And while slaughtering <laughs> the entire like mining town that he's going from, uh, you've got Billy Bob Thornton. God damn, Billy not, Bob Thornton. And, and honestly, just, I didn't know it was Billy Bob oh, up until about ten years ago. Yes, he was thick. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He big. was. Culti- he was cultivating mass. He was Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And it's always funny because then people are like trying to think back to it, but he's the Faro dealer that again, of course, Kurt Russell, manliest man's his way out of there as mm-hmm. he does. But I'm also not convinced that 
Sam Elliott had no idea they were filming a film, a movie. They had everything dressed up. They told him to come to a certain time at a certain place. <laughs> they he walks into frame. They shoot the shot. They're like, okay, would you like to be part of Tombstone? Well, I guess so. Mustache was already there. He's just having a beer. Exactly. And they're <laughs> right? like, okay, we can build everything around him now. The costumes are from home. Exactly. Same thing with Charlton Heston. Well, and then also, this was such a sad thing just because you realize that we lo- we lost Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and his death on screen was even that much more like, uh, And now, of course, seeing it on the big screen, I realize it was because he had the lesser mustache of every of all three of them. Yeah. Really now, did. that wasn't a shield. I, I do have to ask you. I know you're going to be partial to Kurt. Of <laughs> course. But who had the better mustache? Oh, Sam Elliott or Kurt Russell? Because Sam Elliott, because I, like I said, I guarantee he did not grow that. He was already there. That was a Wednesday when they caught him. <laughs> I, I think you used the joke before, man. His his mustache deserves a SAG card all on its own. Right? All of them. All of them. And then, of course, Powers Booth. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Well, <sighs> Curly Bill Bruce. <Bye>. Oh, two <laughs> so words. Good. Two words. And um just the fact that we've lost so many people here recently mm-hmm. and a lot of them youngsters but also the other thing that really got me was some of the uh the infinite uh ammo codes that a few of them had on yep. there the up down left right left right oh they were Wait, to- we didn't talk about a couple of character actors that i want to really quickly talk about this first of all i forgot the rook was in it michael rooker yeah when henry is your moral compass <laughs> right? and he's saying that's off that's fucked up that's wrong that's, that's the whole shit you know, and we were talking about he's just shooting people at the OK Girl, just like <laughs> and just like whistling as the bullets are going around and killing people. And the Rook and then Billy Zane is the most beautiful man in the world. I and I forgot that was Jason Priestley who thought he was yeah. the most beautiful man in the world. Yep. And also the fact that once immediately they start performing and they're like, they're shooting at us. They're actually shooting at us. I just thought about like us hosting something or right? podcasting <laughs> live in the Old West. It's like we got a rough crowd out there right they're now. They're throwing tomatoes at Jay. <laughs> they, they don't want any of that thoroughbred humor, Jay. So right. uh, leave it. Leave that. Ah, <laughs> uh, go back to the bar. I'll be at the saloon. But uh, no, that movie is just great. However, we're talking about we talked about Kurt Russell. We talked about Sam Elliott. But this viewing Val Kilmer stole the show yeah. for me. I mean, when he Absolutely. upstaged everybody in this one. And though, so there was a recent screening at one of the Alamo Rolling Road shows where, and I think it was actually at either at the OK Corral or something along those lines, they screened it outdoors and Val Kilmer was there and was apparently the coolest man on the planet there. Well, um, he's had a cancer scare too, right? He did. So, I mean, I think that's got to kind of factor into his legacy because, I yes, mean, he does. realizes, I mean, you think about some of the films he's been in. I mean, Heat. Yeah, it's Tombstone, real genius, top yeah. secrets. Well, and then also <laughs> all the not, top movies. <laughs> <laughs> then there's nothing like a health scare to kind of make you realize maybe I shouldn't be a dick. Sure. You know, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it it played so well. I really dug it. And of course, Michael Bean in there, Johnny Ringo, just you know, just so off kilter. But the tie back that we're gonna f- the, the the way to segue into everything we're talking about <laughs> with horror is what's funny with um tombstone about the same time and i can't remember if it was in the same year or the year right after we got the kevin costner wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp. yes actually i had a conversation with one of the people that were in the audience about that and he it was like his umpteenth screening of tombstone he said yeah i just watched wyatt Earp a couple days ago and i realized how much of a more deficient movie Wyatt Earp is than Tombstone. And I ask him why, and he goes, just run time. <laughs> well, that's yeah, quite appropriate on that because um, Tombstone is a long film. Tombstone but then also, if you go back to our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament for 1989, we looked at two films, uh, Leviathan and Deep Star Six, mm-hmm. that are kind of caught up in this whole, like with Tombstone and Wyatt Earp, with Armageddon and Deep Impact, when you get these competing 
you you know uh, pictures Same theme that yeah. we ultimately benefit. Yeah. But going back to that, Michael Bean shows up in '89, not in Leviathan or Deep Star Six, but in the other film that it's aping, Deep Rising. Nah, James Cameron, The Abyss. Yeah. Oh, the Abyss. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he shows up with an awesome mustache in The Abyss. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But as you mentioned, Dustin, Tombstone, this screening, I don't know what, again, I'm loving all the characters, all the interaction. Again, Lowell showing up. Thomas Lowell. Hayden yeah. <laughs> we all got a kick out of that. But I think we were probably like, I was like, God damn, we're about 50 minutes in. We have yet to get to the OK Corral. Mm-hmm. We have yet to even get to the mid set point. Mm-hmm. And we're just seeing movies now just playing longer and longer. This is back in 93. Flash forward here to 2019. We have seen films, The Avengers Endgame, two hours and 50 minutes, I believe. Uh, we've had... Midsommar. Oh, my time. Lord. The, then you got the director's cut. Yeah. And here we've got It Chapter 2 clocking in two and a, two and a half hours plus. Hefty. Two and a half hours plus, Yes. But it is closing out a story. Um, definitely go back, listen to our initial uh, review of it when it came out. Uh, wait, was it two years two ago? Two years at this ago, point? yeah, yeah. twenty seventeen. My goodness. Yeah. So we've had some buildup then to the second one, um, and I uh, now we're releasing this episode about two weeks after it's reviewed. So we're going to be spoiling, Spoiler. this. yeah, from yeah. the get go. Normally, if we re- if we release this in the midst of the release. We, you know, separate it, but we're going to be spoiling from the get-go here, so I'm just going to throw it out here. Uh, Genius Dustin, your thoughts on it, Chapter 2. Guess Guess first. first. Okay. I liked it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. So you enjoyed the first one. I I really enjoyed the first one, and I'm not... You you guys know me. I'm not a huge horror guy. I mean, it takes a lot to get me to go to a horror film, number one, but in order to keep my attention, because, you know, I like the pew-pew, bang-bang, you know, explosion Mm -hmm. kind of movies... In order to keep my attention, I think Bill Skarsgård did an excellent job of that as Pennywise in the first film. And I think in the second film, they didn't rely on him as much to play Pennywise. It was more about, you know, the backstory of the Losers Club and, you know, what kind of built them to to bring them back. It was less about Pennywise and more about their how they were going to deal with that childhood trauma. I think looking at the childhood trauma, that's a great place to start because that's the one thing that really stuck with me mm-hmm. is the idea of the fact that, and I had forgotten too, the fact that the further they got away from Derry, the the fact that they were able to remove themselves from the trauma mm-hmm. and literally, you know, out of mind, out of, so running I, uh, away from you instead of addressing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that even the opening scene where we get the Adrian storyline, yeah. where, and uh, going back, just Derry itself, and the thing that I think that, I really re- kind of reacted to this is that Pennywise himself is a manifestation of all just the indifference of dairy of just the fact that people just don't care. And, and this could be dairy could be anywhere, obviously, mm-hmm. but then you get that whole hate act that's going on there with, you know, and it's, you know, you get the F bombs thrown out and it's like, no, and you almost want to go, well, is this back? Is this a flashback back to the eighties? No, it's today. Of course it yeah. is. Can I interject just a little point here? You're talking about indifference. Okay, so the house was dilapidated back at the beginning. The house is still a shit house 27 years later. later. You think somebody wouldn't have rolled a bulldozer over that thing by now? Derry doesn't have a really good neighborhood association. Apparently not. There's no HOA. Derry don't give a fuck. Derry is just letting all the houses go to pot and seed and shit. It turns out actually Pennywise, he's got like a really long mortgage and he's actually actually got a trust fund from all of his circus days. (laughs) 37,000-year plan. It's like we we try to get him out, but you know, he's got everything's actually (laughs) technically up to code. Derry's a little lax, you know, and they're... 
they are a family town, so he's oh, got you know, okay. t- old ties. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, funny. Well, and it's it's interesting, like you said, because you just it's stuff that you carry with you. And then the fact that and immediately, like when Mike reaches out to everyone, the, the, the minute they see him and what I really liked is all of them. They didn't have his name. And, you know, it came up as just like Derry, Maine and going to They're if like, you notice at the very end, though, everyone had his number in there because they reconnected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Genius. Your, your initial thoughts. I I liked the movie. Liked, yeah. right? <laughs> I didn't love it. I didn't love it at all. I, I I loved the first one. I I think it's a fantastic movie. Second one, I thought it was a good movie. Here's my main beef with this movie. The part that made, and you kind of touched upon this, the part that made the first one good for me, the, the good scares, was Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise doing scary clown shit. Okay, this one was super CGI heavy where it didn't give a chance to let Bill Skarsgård be Pennywise. It was turned into like the monster or like the old lady that was giant or the Scorpion King at the end. And like the best parts and there was a lot of jump scares. And, you know, here's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, fucking jump scares is cheap. No, it's not cheap. If you can have a well-placed, well-timed jump scare, it is one of the most effective kind of scares and a great scare. And they had a couple of good ones in this, but then there was a lot of ones that was jump scares for just jump scares. So this for the horror aspect, all the shit that went down theme thematically was horror, horror. Absolutely. But I wasn't scared like I was or even skeezed yeah. out like in the first one. And I think it was because you didn't see enough scars guard. Yeah. And I there, I thought there was more dread involved in the first film. Mm-hmm. And this one, I. I, I had more. F- I actually had probably had more fun with it because I, there was more laughs to be found. Oh, there was a lot of levity. Yeah. Which, and you know, there, there was a lot of that in the first film as well. But I think with the second film, obviously, especially with the whole idea of of, of addressing these childhood traumas, these issues that you had, and how it kind of like actually dictates who you are. Especially if you look at like Beverly and Eddie. How with Beverly. You know, the fact that she is now married to someone that's abusive. Mm-hmm. Eddie is now married to someone that, you know, resembles his mom. Uh, Richie as well. Have you guys been reading online about some of the... Um, Tones, kind of, undertones yeah, of it? of what's going on with that. I have. I with have. The, the, the whole uh, truth or dare thing that there might there might actually be... He might technically be gay. Which I... But again, they there's just... There's like no real hints of it. Beyond the There's fact subtle that, clues, though. I mean, and then, of course, he's writing his name. In right. The, but I didn't see that as... I read that as friendship for the most part. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go on record saying that I love you guys. Right, I right. mean, like, without a shadow of a doubt. But I'm not going to say that I'm in love with you guys. I thought of more of a, like, a deeper deeper friendship you know because like i'd carve your guys's name and also in bathroom stalls all over town so yeah but you also put my phone number next to him so what what does that mean i don't know love you lots (laughs) staying on brand it's fine (laughs) but no i can see where that would if that's the message that you got i could see it i did not get that message but i i even saw a thing that that it's saying he's wearing mark Patton's shirt yeah, from Nightmare from Two. Nightmare, Nightmare yep. Two. So like, I can, I can, I can see where they're coming from. I even got a little bit of, um, um, oh my God, um, Sam O'Neill at the end of uh, In the Mouth of Madness when he's you know all marked up on mm-hmm. his little scrubs as well. Well, because Pennywise is like, I know your secret. I know your secret. You yes. know. And so like, so I could see where, yeah, you know. And also Bill Hader in this film, he was great, phenomenal. He, he really was good, and it can't be overstated that I. 
the resemblance of the cast members i think was spot on yeah especially especially uh ben threw me off and just in the face but i don't know if they necessarily have the chemistry needed to really hold it together Mm because i really enjoyed the minute but i just didn't feel as strong as i did with like the kid actors i have a theory about that i think especially nowadays we're used to seeing kids in in serious trouble you know serious like situations and stuff and it always makes the threat that much more palpable when kids are involved so like i'm not saying i don't give a fuck when a bunch of adults are gonna go get chopped up but we've seen it but when you see a whole bunch of kids about to get chopped up you're like oh shit that's not good so we're more invested in it and those kids are fantastic and it is a stephen king property so we Mm -hmm. know the kids could actually be in danger yeah like there's something that could nasty that could happen to them who was the guy that played uh eddie he was fantastic he was great too with him and bill Hader. i I call him a neurotic john ham Like John Hamm's neurotic brother. Well, and it's funny too how they everyone kind of fell back into rhythm and routine yeah. the mm-hmm. minute they got into contact and proximity with each other. Mm-hmm. Which I love that with old friends where you probably you couldn't you may have you know been twenty seven years since you last saw them, but those bonds are so deep that whether it's you know a self inflicted scar, whether it's a shared event or trauma, you just fall into those things and you get into the language and it's is that I like those yeah. those scenes of bonding. And them being happy. But then it's also really weird because it's like they're just more and more of their memories are coming back the Good, longer they're bad and indifferent. Yes. Yeah. Which and that's that always threw me off initially. But it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. They've completely lost everything memory wise. But that's, again, speaks to the strength, the strength of the whole childhood trauma. And again, mm-hmm. if you don't address it, you, you might forget about it, mm-hmm. but it's still messing it you up. Back. Yeah, it's exactly. going to dictate everything that you're doing in life. And if you don't, fuck, uh, I don't walk on grates, right? You know, exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't go swimming in the ocean. Now we're not saying that eventually, like, for you to like, you know, reach, um, you know, nirvana or anything. I'm gonna have to like stand on a grate in the ocean. <laughs> potentially, potentially, um, I do think this. And again, I'm I enjoyed this film, but the the length of the film really did put me off. But Ultimately, I mean, there's no. I, how do you? You can't. You 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 separate into another film. You can't exactly. It's, it's yeah, the you can't same. do part two. Part two. No. Right. Yeah, you can't. You have to finish the story. I mean, you don't want to go see three movies like they did with Lord of the Rings. That, no, that would, or like the Harry Potter films. Yeah. But there's just so much to just un, unpack. There's and then a you, lot. But you then end up disservicing a lot of the characters, and especially a lot of the book fans are going to feel cheated. Yeah. And each, to tell that story, because each of the character goes on their own separate when journey. When they're going and getting their own tokens. Yep. when you And that's right. when I realized, like, oh, we've got, like, five times we to do this. we got five people to mm-hmm. five jump scares. But if you could look at it, though, like, as a miniseries... Then you've got five separate episodes where you can delve more into the psyches and more, you know. But again, it would definitely service itself, and I—that's what they're doing with the stand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's going to yeah. be a, a CBS story, yeah. Okay, miniseries, which you'd have to on that one because that's a fucking tome and a half. It took me three months to read that fucking book. Well, and it's—it's it's a shame that I—I I think it's good that we we have it on the big screen but it's a shame that we we'll probably won't get well you know what i take that back another 27 years we'll probably get yeah and reboot and maybe they will make it a mini series or something that can be stretched out because i do think when you condense it you're you're really hurting it yeah i mean like look at the i'm gonna go on record saying it the new it i overall i enjoy better than the old it story-wise 
clown wise, we're gonna get that's a different topic altogether. We can get but, into that, but like just for a simple fact, as in like a story, a, a good movie. Like if I was gonna sit and watch old it one and two together, and then watch it new it one and two together, I would rather watch the new it. One. Yeah. I can I can see that. Well, I mean, and again, they're different products of their time. Yeah. One made for TV. Another is a big budget uh, blockbuster. And this is a big budget blockbuster. Huge. Mm-hmm. This is horror on the big screen. Pennywise is going to be the new uh, Harley Quinn and Captain Jack Sparrow this Halloween. I know it. I can. Well, it was back when it hit two years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what's funny because, and I mentioned the fact that it's a big budget, you know, blockbuster. Is this is bringing in more than just the casual horror fan. This is bringing in a genre fan, yeah. an action fan like you, Dustin. This is also bringing in what I'm hoping and what I'm assuming was a normie because through my peripheral viewing at our screening of It, uh, I saw this couple come in and I got the biggest kick out of it because I saw the boyfriend through the entire time anything crazy would happen. He started doing the looking through his hand viewing. And that in itself, I was like, okay, you can't tell me this movie isn't scary. That person is scared, like they're not wanting to watch the film, but he had the biggest grin on his face the entire film, and then once something scary happened and he got through it, his hand went down, he's smiling, he's eating his popcorn, he's, you know, nudging his girl, it's like, wow, that is an amazing experience, like that's someone that's enjoying this film, that's scared, it's, it may not scare me, it, it may not scare you, it, it may not scare you. the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> there, did you there, have a there were a of, couple jumps that made me jump like three or four times paul bunyan scared the piss out of me paul bunyan i don't know what it was but he came out and he's like rah, 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 and he starts swinging that shit i'm like holy fucking shit i'm like leering back into well, my chair let's talk about the cgi use yeah and listen we are a podcast of positivity but there were certain points in this film all the fucking thing yeah the and, whole fucking movie was CGI. And the fact that they went into these oversized CGI monstrosities mm-hmm. from the old little old lady in the apartment to the, the Paul Bunyan. it to just the Scorpion King. Yeah, it just, it was just, and I know they have to up the ante in a sequel, obviously, but the CGI itself, because it was in pure daylight, you could really see the seams and all the ones and zeros for the most part. The Paul Bunyan scene, it made me feel like it was like a video game, mm-hmm. almost yeah. kind of thing, like a, a, like a timing thing. Like if you don't push the Y button, he's going to hit you or something. And it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. But it just, it, it, it took a lot <laughs> out. It really did. Because see, here's the thing. When he ate that little girl in oh, under the bleachers, the bleachers and when he ate that little boy in the thing that was bill skarsgård that wasn't a big exactly. giant monster exactly. and it was scary it was like really really scary when he's like oh come i'm okay and then Arr, you know skarsgård is a special effect in and of themselves and oh they yeah don't take enough advantage of that yeah because that i think he does is for real there's a scene in the first one where he he his head slams on the side and he kind of slinks away and he's just got this look on his face that is just the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Is it me or was he drooling more? In he this was drooling film? a lot more. I, I, yeah. Whenever he's about to eat and he goes then. But it was like more so, so like I, it seemed like it was like a character trait in this film. Like I don't know did he come like, like I'm thinking back to like a bad dental visit like you know he just you know just <laughs> Pennywise <can't>. needs braces. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but like you said, though, the moments when you had Pennywise himself were scary. They yeah. were still unsettling. But then he turned into a giant ass old lady. And I was like, come on. Come on. Now, let me ask you this. The thing. Did that take yes! you out? No, it, no. Yeah. I, loved, I okay. loved the horror references. There was a lot of good horror references to old stuff, old school movies. Because, like, you got to be 
fucking kidding me. Now, and there's one thing when you can make your little and the, I actually Did it not. take you out? No, because well, number one, the CGI I think worked real well in that one. Yeah, yeah, that one in particular. Yep. Yeah, the shadows mm-hmm. they made they masked it, and I thought it worked a lot better. But the fact that they, I mean, they outright quotes and what's funny is i guarantee there is an audience out there that younger audience that has no idea right that comes from the thing that has no idea they're pulling from john carpenter and who knows if they'll reverse engineer that it doesn't matter because it's a pretty we memorable know. part yeah right and then stephen king being another great bumpkin <laughs> <laughs> stephen king in this film like and what's i love the fact that even like i think we could recognize him even from like the from behind yeah. him and we were like wait is Can that I help you it's like oh shit it's stephen king we didn't have to see him all we had to hear that you like, can afford it you're i'm gonna gouge the hell out of you <laughs> well the fact that um we've got uh professor x playing james the, mcavoy the stephen king surrogate in the film with bill growing up to be a hollywood writer mm-hmm. someone that can't end his books that well that's another thing the ending you don't like the ritual of chud I like I like the ritual chute, but like we're not saying chud because we don't want to be sued. I kept <laughs> this clown shitting, clown this uh, underground dwellers or right? <laughs> cannibalistic like yeah. It would be cl- humorous cl- clown clown clownly humorous <laughs> underground dweller. <laughs> we'll stop right there. But uh, no, so everybody it was a funny joke that where it was like oh you can't nobody knows how. to finish your endings nobody likes your endings and i was like that's funny because a lot of stephen king's it's, stories have a fucking whack yeah. ending but this one i was like okay let's hope you have a good ending because you kind of been setting it up uh, well and the fact uh, that we get to the end house and by the time we get there there's still like 40 minutes yeah. of other things going yep. on and that's where i think if this could have been edited a little bit more even if we were at like two hours and 15 minutes i i felt Every, every minute of this film, unfortunately, and I don't like because even the first one I know is about two and tw- two hours and 20 minutes. I, I didn't feel that at all. No. This one, I really felt all the extra time, and it was because and I know it's they had to do service to the, the story in and of itself, but this is where I think that there's just too much film. There's just too much story. This is just better served, I think, in a different medium. Or do we, do we do we need I don't know. these adaptations? I think I don't think this. I think if you still you still could cut this down, and I didn't. I did feel the time length of it, but not all the way. I was like, this is a long ass movie. <laughs> I said I remember thinking to myself that, but I remember only thinking like once or twice. And normally, if something's extra long or I'm not digging it, I'm like, God damn, this is a long fucking movie. So I felt it, but I was like, okay, I need closure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the ride, and overall I'm glad I did. Yeah, it could a couple of minutes could have been. What trimmed. do you think of giant Pennywise at the end? That was Ugh. goofy. Ugh. That was goofy. I I thought it was cool for well, a minute, but then would, I was like, this is a, like you said, this is a cutscene in a horror video game, and it's like the Scorpion King, and it's Resident Evil, and I've seen this before. I'm glad they didn't make the big goofy spider, but they almost did just as bad. It, well, and with at least the big goofy spider, it was its own Practical. thing. Practical. Yeah, and it's still... The Deadlights was cool, though. The Deadlights worked really well. In fact, I actually like that you do get a little bit more insight to where they came from, how people right. have been battling this thing, and again, how it's just... It almost proves that... You know, humanity is just horrible through generations regardless. But, you know, these deadlights or whatever, they just magnify the worst in humanity. You know, it seems like they, they, they're just seeking that out. There's I don't know. I've heard that they might be trying to do like a like a prequel to Pennywise or something like that or a Pennywise origin. A Pennywise origin. Which I don't like the circus origin. <sighs> and again, and that was just because it was 
hiding in trophy. I, I don't need that. No, I don't, don't want to know. That. Well, the question is then, I mean, do you think they're trying to do the prequel or the talks about the prequel because of how popular this is? You know, and, and that's the unfortunate thing is that you have all these properties that are coming out now with, you know, the resurgence of the horror genre. And now everything needs a, a an origin story. You know, we, we've kind of hinted at it with Joker. We don't uh, need another I, Crime yeah. Alley story. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen that. Everybody yeah. knows about that. But with Pennywise, do we really need the origin of Pennywise? Although it would be kind of cool to see Pennywise in the Old West. Like Pennywise, the OK Corral. Well, and this is where you could technically that's yeah. be shooting at people and a flag comes out of the gun that just bang. says bang. Right. Well, and that's what you that's what's kind of cool. You could throw him through different filters. And that's what I even liked. Again, I'll go back to that opening the opening scene when Adrian is thrown over and you're just like, "Okay, here's this gnarly hate crime blah blah blah. Let's hopefully the kid gets a break." Not at all. He's swept up right by Pennywise and you're just it's like, "Wow." Now. It's it's just yeah, just there's such nastiness going on. There's no there's nothing fair. Like the cruelty is the point and you're just like, "Damn, in this day and age, you can't catch a break." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit in there as well. And again, that kind of stuff that you see reflected um, in horror, which it's it's it works. Yeah, it works. I don't know. I like I said, I I technically I have seen this twice now because I had to go because I needed to kind of invest it. And it's that second time it really taxed really. me even more because yeah. I knew going you knew in, what was coming. Well, here here's the question: In the first one clocked in at two fifteen, two hours and fifteen okay. minutes. Why couldn't the second one clock in at the same? Because you're still now you're taking both, you know, the adult the adult section and the kids and section. the kids and the epilogue. Yes, it's again. There's just so much. Like I could easily see this film being a four hour freaking movie. Yeah. Like I know there's been talks actually. It was super cut. Yeah. Of all the movies together plus together. extra scenes. I'd watch it. We, I'd be interesting to see if it could flow a little bit better, especially depending on how they cut it and they edited it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd still watch it. I like I like the both it, movies. I I know it was long and we're kind of bitching on it, but like I I still enjoyed the, my time as long as it may have been in watching the movie. I thought it was yeah. a cool movie. I mean, and don't get me wrong, man. We sat through Avengers Endgame and I had it, no issues. I've got a bladder of steel. Yeah, and I made the joke when we got out of it. I was just like, yeah, you're, apparently you're, it, it does float my eyeballs right yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's. It just seemed it just seemed a little a little long, and I, I don't know, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I like the movie so much because of the Bill Skarsgård Pennywise, mm-hmm. and it wasn't mm-hmm. really like CGI in the first film, and I think what kind of not necessarily bored me, but what took me out of the second movie to kind of you know, check my time with it was the overuse of the CGI Pennywise. You know, the the portion where, and, and honestly, the, the best part of Pennywise, for me, was when he's in the Hall of Glass. Yeah, that was and, dope. And he just kind of looks at the little kid, and then he... Licked. Personally, I think they they shouldn't have done like the the long the CGI cartoon tongue. tongue. I think he should have just licked the glass. I think yeah. that would have been more terrifying. Yeah. But that part was genuinely dread-inducing, and I think a lot of it was because of McAvoy. I mean, yeah. he did a hell of a job in this movie. He's he's a, he's a great. Well, everyone involved was they really brought a lot to the role, um, and I, I, I the fact that he Jessica doesn't start Chastain did good too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, she's phenomenal, and the fact that he doesn't start stuttering again until immediately that call right. comes back in, mm-hmm. and again, all that stuff that if you don't address it, it's still simmering on the back of you, and that's the stuff I'm I'm drawn to because I've mentioned it before on Nerds, but again, we were talking off mic. You know, I lost my mom back in probably about 93 about the time tombstone came out so you know cinema has always been something that i've needed it's always been you know comforting it's something that's helped heal me and i'm telling you you know looking at these 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 issues these kids the adults are looking back at 
that's the kind of stuff I'm like, okay, you need to address these wounds because mm-hmm. again, you might think they're they're taken care of because you think you're addressing them, but you're not. They're they're always going to come back and get you one right. way or the other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Face yeah. them head on like a clown. It's, Call them a baby. And what I really like though, ultimately at the end, is obviously up. You know, everything does. You know, but before we get to the end, before oh, we get to the end, before yeah. we get to the end. Yeah. Okay, so apparently this has like the world's record for the bloodiest scene ever because she's in a pool of blood. They can afford all that blood to make it practical, but they turn Pennywise into Quato. Yeah, and unfortunately, open your mind to me, genius. <laughs> Too tense. <laughs> yeah, no, it's and the scene in and of itself, it's just, it's not, it's they're just filling up like a little stall with a lot of fake blood. It's not all that impressive, per right? Se. It's right. nothing that it's. I thought be, the, the Descent had more fake blood. I thought Dead Alive had more blood with things right. like that. Yeah, no, it's. I, I, I know the hype was there, but I thought immediately, I was like, yeah, that's going to be one of those kind of one and done. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work. And it's, the scene itself worked it was nicely, a cool just the <clears throat> being constrained in the, 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 the stall. And who was the dude that played Ben? Old, old, old the older ben. old Ben. Because he looked like he looked like um, a, a, a Twilight Hemsworth. That that initial he was scene, super handsome. When when he when he was coming and going like, "What the fuck happened to me?" Just yeah. like like, why am I not? Why am I the only one that didn't grow into myself as it was? <laughs> no, I like and again, it sounds like we're kind of being nasty on the film. I, I like I said, I saw it twice, yeah. so it had to work something. No, for I liked me. it. It's just yeah. And it's just like, eh. no. It, I mean, I don't mean to to crap on it if if it sounds like I'm coming across. No, like no, that. it's no. But it's like I, I but that's our review. No, I, I really did. I enjoyed Bill Hader quite a bit. You know, Jessica Chastain was great. James McAvoy. I mean, I will actively search out his films, and it's not because of the Professor X thing, and, sure. you know, because I'm a big comic book nerd. But I think he's a good actor. But I'll tell you what, honestly, I like the scenes with the kids better than I like the scenes with I the adults. I did, too. I did, too. And I think that's the saving grace of this movie. I mean, we're talking about how every good everybody was at the same time. We're all saying, yeah, but uh, but I think, again, the reason why the first movie worked so good was the power and the chemistry of the kid actors yeah. and what they brought to it. And that whole, like, holy shit, this clown is going to eat these fucking kids. And so... Well, even the the ending end of itself, how they ultimately defeat Pennywise. At least they didn't diddle each other. <laughs> it's it's that in and of itself is there. There's no way, no way are they ever going to introduce any of that. Do, have you do you know the scene we're talking about? No, thankfully. Oh, okay. It's so prepare in the book they have two rituals of cheat. Yeah, because I don't. I, I didn't read the book and I have not seen the original. Well, it ain't in the original. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but of course. They have two. They have two uh, uh, rituals of chewed. And then when the one is a kid, but they're like, okay, we need to become, we need to lose our childhood it's, innocence. How's the best uh, way to do okay. it? So let's all gang bang Beverly. And so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you definitely don't put that in the. Film. No, no. There's but Pennywise is like, we got to write a song about how we do not diddle kids. We <laughs> Danny, eat them. Danny DeVito is Pennywise. I'd see that. I would hey, too. Hey, you want to go under the bridge? Instead, we of, all float. The eggs float. Instead of coming out of the sewer, he comes out of the couch. <laughs> want a balloon? <laughs> I, I found it in the dumpster. Instead of balloon, it's a Magnum condom. <laughs> Oops. I dropped my balloon that I use on my monster dong. <laughs> And this is the point where we went off the rails, right? My apologies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to go from uh, no. Of course, that's a that's of course where the conversation yeah. carries itself. <laughs> that's the problem, though. It's the ending of itself. It's kind of bittersweet. They basically kind of bully him into submission. Yeah. Ultimately, 
Isn't that basically yeah. what clowns? happens? Uh, they just call exactly him a clown. <laughs> How is that a bad thing? I'm called clowns all the time. I'm, I'm even because he is a clown. Clowns bring joy to kids. He is a clown. Like you clown, clown. It, it depends on how you clown. Ultimately, uh, <laughs> would like it be? It. Would it be if he was? Oh, actually, they start singing "Clowny Clown Clown" from Crispin Glover. So it, he's in Derry. He presents himself as Pennywise. If he was in like Detroit or Michigan, do you think he would actually look more like a juggalo? Like he would present himself to the denizens of like Michigan. <laughs> he's drooling Fago. He's, exactly. <laughs> like I just now thought of that. Like we're going chicken hunting. You know, just like let me show you how magnets work. <laughs> like I, because I, I thought about like you know they everyone sees their own little representation mm-hmm. of him. That would be actually super frightening. In Wisconsin, would it be Ronald McDonald? Yes, it would. Oh, absolutely. Oh, forget about it, man. He'd just inject you with a syringe full of cheese. Oh God. Some or like rubble, rubble cheese. <laughs> somebody being a bathroom stall and it would just fill up with McRib sauce. <laughs> instead of Dude, blood. that's that's my that's, dream of how I oh, need to I go. Know. Don't dream <laughs> it. The some nuggets pic- float. <laughs> pickles and onions on that thing. Man, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> Did you all know what the grimace was actually supposed to be? He was a big old um, upside down shake. Really? Yeah. If you actually look at how his shape is, technically, if you turn him upside down, you could put a shake in him. Well, that just ruined my childhood. <laughs> I don't know why, but when you said put a shake in him, I just picture like grimace twerking. <laughs> just like, hey, Ronald, help check out my McNuggets, you know, and just like he's well, over there shaking how, and twerking. Well, how- how many people were ruined from like McDonald's because of films like this? How many people that have whatever that phobia for clowns, yeah, can't eat McDonald's or anything along those lines? Can't you know? Do you hear back like when the first it came out, like Russian Burger Kings was yeah. like pissed off because they thought that the whole movie was, was like an advertisement, for, yeah, <laughs> ad for fucking Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Well, it's funny because what is it? What does the survey say, Dustin? Cholerophobia. Col- That's it. I knew it was sounded like something you would eat. Uh, you know. With a little buffalo, mm. buffalo sauce on it. No, mm. like I said, I enjoyed the film. I'm glad we closed it out. Yeah, I'm First glad I got closure. Right. Yes, closure was it. Ah, ah. yeah. I, now, if we if we were a really good podcast, we'd stop right there. But I do want to. Andy Muschietti is. I really dug his work. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see what he does more. And someone mentioned before with some of the uh, just the way everything was shot and handled. They'd love to see him if they ever tried it again to do a like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Ooh, that would be really cool. I still say if it, if Robert England doesn't want to do it, I think Doug Jones would be a fantastic Freddy Krueger. He'd work well. He'd work well. Yeah, because he's, he's got that off-putting lankiness. Especially if they do M- Muschietti's Nightmare with Doug Jones, all the shadowy and shit come out Ooh. it would work i would i would check it out i would definitely check that out uh but I, you know he's like one of those artists at this point that i'm always going to be checking out what he does anti-ari aster anti oh god because he's two for two for me ari aster's zero oh, oh, for, for two, two. <laughs> yeah but you know what as long as you're still out there swinging away that's yep. that's what exactly that's what exactly so thanks for uh, swinging away with us on this episode here dustin and of course you know, clowning, appreciate around. It. clowning around as uh, it is uh, because we didn't have enough clown puns. Well, and I know I should. I don't want to like ruin anything, but I know that there's might be something going on a little creepy over at Media Rewind potentially here mm-hmm. in the near future. Possibly, possibly. But Just, we you know. are definitely Media Rewind is coming back for the Purge. Ah, coming back I, for the Purge. We've got the Walking Dead season ten. And we have the Watchmen. Watchmen. 
Yeah. So have it, you enjoyed your little break? Because it yeah, sounds like you're gonna right? like. And we're kicking around some other ideas. We got a couple of things we were, we were thinking about. We were doing a little porch thinking. So like. So again, where can our listeners find that out on the? You can find Genius and I on the Twitterverse at Media Rewind Pod, and you can find us on Facebook at Media Rewind Podcast. Perfect. And uh, we're going to be closing out the month of uh, September here, our last episode. Uh, we, cl- we opened everything up talking Alamo, uh, Terra Tuesday, everything in the month of October. Well, we're having our good friend Adam back on uh, from Screenland, and we're mm-hmm. going to be talking the entirety of Shocktober. Shocktober's fucking rad this Ooh. year. So I don't Man. know. This episode might be three hours long, potentially, because there is so much going on. We're going to go into everything that you can see there. <laughs> Andy Buschetti's Nightmare Junket. Oh, straight up. Are you kidding? Forget about it. So until that time this is greg d i'm genius mcgee and we'll see you in your dreams